0: I'm not good at it some guys brother Sam Thomas I was here you know he's got a nice little iPad he goes when, you, when and it makes sense when you travel you don't want to bring 500 messages in a briefcase with you and uh, anyway or three or whatever so <laughs> <laughs> so anyway uh, this was a blessing to have Genesis chapter number uh, 25 Genesis 25. Look at verse 1 then again Abraham took a wife and her name was Keturah and she bare him Zimram and Jokshan and Medan and Midian and Ishbak and Shuah and Jokshan begat Sheba and Dedan and the sons of Dedan were Ashuram and Latusham and Lumim. I like them names for good and the sons of Midian Epha and Ephor and Hanok and Abida and Elda Elda'ah. and they all these were the children of Keturah And Abraham Abraham gave all that he had unto Isaac, but unto the sons of the concubines, which Abraham had. Abraham gave gifts and sent them away from Isaac, his son, while he yet lived eastward unto the east country. And these are the days of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived, and hundred, threescore, and fifteen. And Abraham gave up the ghost and died at a good old age. An old man, full of years, was gathered and was gathered to his people, uh, Father. Thank you for the night, and uh, I'm thankful. In spite of our feeble attempts, and and sometimes when they don't uh, come together like we want to, uh, we can be assured as your word goes out, your Holy Spirit will do the work. And I'm thankful for that tonight. And we ask you for that tonight. God, would you teach us? Would you encourage us tonight with your word? Would you would you help us to be uh, uh, more confident in what you? have us to do and what you want from us. Nobody in here, nobody in here, Lord, and nobody listening online is is uh, is sitting in retirement village, spiritually speaking, and, and just waiting to go home. We all have a work to do. We are alive, we're breathing, and you have something for us to do, and we thank you for that, and we just pray for the encouragement tonight that you intend for us. We lift up those that aren't here tonight. Father, those that are uh, still uh, recovering from sickness, and uh, such as that, we pray you continue to heal their body, that you would bring every back, everybody back here on Sunday. Uh, Lord, we pray for those that have been traveling and pray for traveling mercies. We pray for those that have lost loved ones and are still grieving. And Father, we pray for the, uh, just the presence of the Holy Spirit and the comfort of the Holy Spirit tonight. And uh, we pray you'd encourage them and, and help them. And so, Father, for those that are here tonight, would you encourage us as well in your word. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Genesis, where am I at here? 25? Oh, my. Come on now. You're going to do this? Okay. I got it. I got it. We're good. Okay. So anyway, Genesis 25. You know, 1 Corinthians, um, oh, where was that about? 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven. I think it is. The, the Bible says, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And God does great things with little things. Obviously, God The entire universe that he spoke into existence is little next to himself. So it goes to reason that God only uses little things, and he does great things with them. It has been said that a big sun can do what a little candle cannot do. Uh, Let me say that again the other way. A big sun cannot do, there it is, what a little uh, candle can do, which is shine in the night. You see, and so we know that that through God's revelation and uh, uh, through human experience, we know this. We know that God does things opposite at times of what we think is best, at uh, what we think the way He should operate. How many of you ever prayed for anything, and you have it in your mind the way this should turn out, right? Yeah, and you know what you find out? Sometimes you miss the answer cuz you're so focused on the way you think God ought to do it. And let me tell you tonight, and you know this, and you online at home, you know this, if you get old enough in the Lord, you realize quit asking for things a certain way. How many times, I don't know, I've come to the Lord, I said, "Lord, I don't know, I don't know how to even pray for this. This is the end goal. I don't care how you do it." <laughs> Right? Just however, this is what we need. And we learn this as we go on. Isaiah 55, uh, you know, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher uh, than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. God is past figuring it out. He's past comprehending. The only thing that we know of God is what He's revealed to us. And uh, if we were to, I mean, how our brain can't even, can't even fathom, can't focus, can't even get a grip of how little we have been has been revealed of God. So little has been revealed of an infinite God that we'll spend the rest of our eternal existence learning of Him, and we will never come to the end of it as long as we exist, which is forever. That rattles my brain right now okay it really does so when God is doing a work here's what you need to mark mark down it will never be done the way you and I think it ought to be done very rarely very rarely no no there's big things I mean yeah I mean we're going to go to church we're going to preach we're going to teach we're going to sing I mean all those things you're going to but there are things I'm, I'm you get to the end of the year sometimes you look back and you go oh wow Oh, I didn't even catch that, right? Why? Because God was working his way. Now, in our text tonight, we have the death of Abraham in verse 7, right? Sarah has died, and Abraham remarries. Uh, I want to show you something here tonight. How Abraham remarries, and he has six children after he has Ishmael, and then finally then Isaac. How old was he when, when Isaac was born? He's 100 years old. Now, he remarries after Sarah dies and has six more children, right? So he has six more children. Eventually, it kills Abraham. I'm sure this is what finally did him in, was six more kids at 100 years old. I mean, some people... They can't get past six kids when they're 25 years old, let alone when they're 100 years old. But before he dies, he gives everything to Isaac. We read this. And he sends uh, Ishmael off and the other six kids. Uh, Ishmael's already gone. But he gives the other ki- six kids some gifts, sends them on their way and uh, on to the east. But he uh, gives... gives. Uh, 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 Isaac some things and then at 175, right, he calls it quits. He's, he's old, he's full of years and he dies and so then we have later Isaac and Ishmael come and they bury their father and they bury him next to Sarah. And so verse 11 in our text of 25, it comes to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac and Isaac dwelt by the well Laharo'ai. And so we see, God blesses Isaac, verses 12 through 18. We see the lineage of Ishmael, and he, he's going to live to be 137. And then in verses 19 through 34, the family, we see the family of Isaac. Isaac finally gets married at 40 years old. We, we, we know his mother dies, I think, right around 40, 39 or 40, because we also know, I know it's in here somewhere, but I, the one thing that I... Uh, jumps out to me that I remember about this is that he thought the Bible said he would find some comfort after the death of his mother in marrying Rebecca. Well, Rebecca is going to be barren as well, just like Sarah, but she's going to be barren for the first 20 years of her life. And Isaac asked God for a son and there, there, there has to be a son for the Messiah, right? You don't know. See the Messiah is coming through Isaac He's coming through Abraham. There has to be a son. And so I think we could say that Isaac was asking in the, will of God, in the will of God. And so he asked God for a son. Rebecca conceives. And she notices that there's something weird going on inside of her. Now, I don't know. I know there's, there's a lot of debate out there nowadays about what men and women can and can't do. I've never been pregnant, so I don't know what this feels like, okay? I have no idea. Martin, do you know? Okay, you never have, and uh, uh, supposedly there are. Uh, I, supposedly, you said what? I said I might look at. Oh, oh, no, that's a chicken graveyard. That's what that is, and so, and so. Uh, but I, I don't know what that's like. But look at verse twenty-two and twenty-three. For I get way, way too away from where we're supposed to be. And the children struggled together within her and, said, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be, stronger, uh, um, sh- shall be separated from thy bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. Notice something here, uh, and, and this will help you if you ever get into this type of a discussion. It says one people... The other people. God was talking, but when, listen, when the Bible says in, 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 uh, in Romans 9, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. He was not talking about individuals. I love Jacob and I, and I rejected Esau like the Calvinist wrongly says. He was talking about nations. God said, I'm not choosing the people of Esau. I'm choosing the people of Jacob. It wasn't a flat... Could Esau have gotten saved? Absolutely he could have. Right? And this is not what that's talking... I love how clear the word of God is. One people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. So what's going on here? Well, good news. You're going to have twins. (laughs) Rebecca, you're having twins. This is what is going on inside of her that she is trying to figure out. And so... You have the same womb, and you have opposite boys. How many have had children? How many know that they're different? How many of you looked at your own kids and say, how did you get out of the same house? (laughs) Right? It's like, what happened? I remember our pastor one time was telling how when they first had their first daughter, they thought it was so easy. It was wonderful. They, he said they loved it. He said this is this is a piece of cake. She's awesome. I'd have we can have more. He said. Well, then the Antichrist was born into our house, and <laughs> that was about the end of it. And so they're different, right? And so he, here they are. I, I'm telling you what the two different people, two different nations, uh, are are in the womb of Rebecca. Notice the differences between them. Look at verse 25. And the first one came out red all over like a hairy garment. And they called his name Esau. Do you know that? That's what Esau means, hairy. So we'll just call him Harry from here on out, okay? Harry. right? Red all over. Now, nothing wrong with that. I don't know why, but I don't think there's a big deal about that. But, uh, but uh, he was a lot of hair. And red color, but notice the description here of Jacob in verse 26. And after that came out his brother and took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. So Isaac's sixty, having his first kids. I have a friend of mine that just had uh, has a he's fifty, and he has a. I don't I forget if it's, I think it's a daughter that's just a year old or so, and I went, man, (laughs) well, no, I didn't, never mind, I don't want to go there, but uh, I just thought about how old the child will be when he'll be signed up for AARP, and it's going to be before they get out of grade school, (laughs) but uh, anyway, uh, yeah, Isaac's 60 here. When the, the twins, when the twins are born. Notice there's no physical description of Jacob. Esau's red and hairy, right? There, but there's no physical description of Jacob. All it says is that Jacob took hold on Esau's heel. And we know what the word Jacob means, right? It means supplanter. It means heel holder. They got really you know, creative with names, right? If you came up upside down, I guess they'd call you upside down. What's your name, Breach? Oh, interesting. So, right? I mean, I thought that was a good name. But uh, this is what they did. It's a planter. Can I show you this? Remember when Jacob wrestled all night with the angel of the Lord? Do you remember what that angel kept saying, who is the Lord Jesus Christ? He kept saying, what is your name? What is your name? What was his name? What was Jacob? What was his name? Supplanter. Deceiver. You know, he was never going to be blessed till he was honest with who he was. He made him say it. He made him say it. You ever have your kid sit in a chair and you say, you're not going to get up until you say you're wrong? Boy, you will sit there for a while. Right. <laughs> right. Nope, you're going to say, I was wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. I still can't hear you. I'll come back. <laughs> No. I mean, God, listen, God was not going get, get, to let him go on. He wasn't going to bless him in his life until he dealt with who he was. But that's not really the point of this, what I'm getting at tonight. According to verse 23, there's two different nations in these uh, from these brothers, and they are two manner, the, the Bible says, two manner of people, two sorts, two kinds. They are two different nations, two different Personalities. Notice what else God points out here in verse 23. Look what it says here. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, two manner of people. There it is, two sorts, two types shall be, uh, shall be separated from thy bowels. The one shall be stronger than the other, and the elder shall serve the younger. Right? Very different. Esau was the firstborn, Esau was type A. Right? He was the hunter. He was the man's man. He had hair all over him, right? He was just like, Ugh. I mean, he probably, probably dressed in, you know, animal skins and was just had rough hands and all of that. But well, here's Jacob. What's he? Well, he's the younger brother. He's the second born. He's what people call today the beta. He was at home making soup. He, he wasn't like his brother. He was a little more uh, passive. Notice, notice what the Bible says here about him, uh, about Jacob here in, uh, I think it's in verse 26. Uh, um, and after came his brother out and took hold on Esau's heel. his name was Jacob right and uh, look at verse uh, 27 the boys grew Esau was a cunning hunter man of the field here it is and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents that's an interesting word there that word plain it's describing Jacob Uh, plain I have it here it means perfect mature ordinary quiet He was a supplanter. He calculated quietly. He sat in the corner and watched and calculated. You never know anybody like that? Oh, they're smart. They're ahead of everybody else. They're just sitting there watching. This is who Jacob was, right? So Esau lives in the the wild. Jacob lives in the air conditioning, right? Esau kills animals and eats them. And Jacob makes soup at home with his mother, right? Jacob was, uh, uh, Esau was loved by his father, Isaac, and uh, Jacob was a little more domestic and loved by his mother, right? Esau was irrational and compulsive. You see him come in from a hunt. How do you go that long with a hunt? You come in finally, and you're so starved, you're able to sell your birthright because you need to eat. A little compulsive, right? A little little irrational. I mean, he's just, and Jacob's going, okay, yeah, I'll make you soup. Tell me your birthright. <laughs> I mean, they are just so different. Esau lives in the now, and Jacob is, is plotting and always looking to the future. So different. But I want to I take this, just a moment here, to explain something to you. Jacob wanted Esau's birthright. I want to explain to you the birthright. Now, the birthright, it was custom in those days... That, when the, that the eldest son received the birthright. So what would happen was the oldest son would receive a double portion of his father's possessions. The father's possessions would be meted out, right? That would be their inheritance. But the birthright would be the inheritance plus extra. And the reason the oldest got extra is because the eldest was responsible for carrying on the family. So they needed the they needed the funds, they needed the money and whatever to be able to carry on everything. So they got their inheritance plus more money to, to carry on the family lineage. Listen to Deuteronomy 27. It says if a man have two wives, one beloved and another hated, and they have born him children, both the beloved and the hated, and if the uh, both the, uh, both the beloved and the hated, and if the firstborn son be hers that was hated, then it shall be when he maketh his sons to inherit that which he hath, he that he may not make the son of the beloved firstborn, but the before the son of the hated, which is indeed the firstborn. Right? Which is actually how Jacob treated Joseph. He had the coat of many colors. He was he was paraded around of the firstborn. Was he firstborn? No. But he was the firstborn of what Jacob considered his first wife. Now maybe we could argue that a little bit how that how that went whether he was right or not but uh but god says you're not supposed to do that if you if you're going to go out and have a bunch of wives you're not going to pick and choose who the firstborn is so it says but he shall acknowledge the son of the hated for the firstborn by giving him a double portion of all that he hath, for he is the beginning of his strength the right of the firstborn is his listen to genesis uh 43 Verse 33, and they sat before him, the firstborn, according to his birthright, and the youngest, according to his youth, and the men marveled one at another. Well, this was Joseph, you remember, and his brothers. He sat all of his brothers down in order, from oldest to youngest, and they were shocked that he realized this, that he knew this. But if you notice, it said here, the firstborn, according to his birthright. So, watch this. Even in our text tonight, we see Abraham leaving everything to Isaac, who was the firstborn of Sarah. Right. Listen, Sarah was his wife. This was God's choice. And even though Ishmael was born to Abram through Hagar, it was not his wife. It was just a handmaid, okay? So the right of the firstborn is an acceptable method to God. It's an acceptable method of passing on possessions and authority in the family. Now, I don't want you to get too bored of this because it has a really big application here. Esau is the firstborn. Everything from his father should go to him. Now, he sells it, doesn't he? Right? But it's still within the purview of God. God has allowed this to happen. Do you know the Messiah, as we know, passes through Jacob? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. You know, logic should hold that because of the law of the firstborn, that the line of the Messiah should have passed through all of the firstborns from the beginning. But it missed Esau. It went through Jacob, not Esau. See this? The second second generation in. We're only two generations in here. Two gener- and the line is going to veer from the firstborn to the second. And for some reason... God isn't working through natural channels. He's okay. Listen, he he gives a law of how the birthright should be, but he circumvents it here and he goes through Jacob instead of Esau. Actually, from Jacob all the way to Mary, God is going to work through the... He isn't going to work through the natural channels at all. Think about what's in the line of the Messiah. There's going to be total departure from the firstborn, beginning here in Jacob, Right? There's going to be Gentiles. There's going to be murderers. There's going to be harlots. There's going to be children born out of wedlock. And and, and there there, there will be the most unlikely candidates in the lineage of the Messiah. Watch this God chose the beta, not the alpha. God chose the deceiver, not the not the adventurous one. God chose the quiet guy, not the loud guy. God chose the ordinary guy, the plain guy, and not the guy who stood out with all of his hair and his wonderful red complexion, right? God watched God chose the guy God chose the guy most people that would be most people that would be looking for leaders, God chose the guy that most people wouldn't have chosen. No, we get it. We get to see Jacob, but we never knew him just as a boy walking through the house. The plain one, right? Oh, that guy's. That's he's just not a leader. He's not a leader. He doesn't have those leader tendencies. Too quiet. To this. To that. Yeah. You know, some people believe that there are certain requirements to be used by God. Did you know that? Some people, some people just think, well, I, I, I mean, obviously, if, if if you could sit down, maybe not this stage of your life, but maybe when you're younger, you could sit down and write down your idea of who God uses. You might come up with an interesting list. Right. Some people think God only uses certain people with certain abilities. Oh, they got the gift of gab. That's got to be a preacher, right? <laughs> not always. Not always. When people think about who God uses, right, people believe, sometimes people believe that the blessing of God is attached to things like, like um, well, you know, they're young enough, they'll do well. Or, well, they're not too young, they'll do well right uh well you know you, you know I can I can tell God's really blessing that church I mean just look at their pastor I mean I mean he looks I mean he's 6 three he stands like this I mean he has a commanding voice I mean he has all of these qual- of course it's doing well look at the pastor no wonder it's busting out at the seams, right? Or or they'll look at a ministry and say, well, of course the pastor's a genius. I mean, you ever ever heard Johnny Pope preach? I mean, the guy's a genius. And you can look and you go, well, of course, of course. I mean, the guy can rattle off history, uh, a, a millennium of history just off the top of his head. Right? And you, people look at that. Well, well, of course God's blessing that, right? Or they'll say, well, of course God is blessing that ministry. I mean, that that man or that lady, she is, she is. I mean, her lineage is deep with preachers. I mean, grandfather and great grandfather. Boy, of course God's blessing it. I mean, look at the background. Or they're wealthy. Or, uh, well, no, God's blessing because they're poor and they don't love the things of this world. Or, oh, this this one's doing well because they're tough. And they're strong, and they're gonna hide on their back, right? Or somebody to say, "Well, you know, God's blessing here because He's just meek and and He's passive." And God is, do you see what I mean? Listen, people write down things of what they believe God looks for in somebody and what has to be there for God to bless them. We've done this, right? Well, that one's just good looking, or well, that one's blessed of God because they're not good looking and all high on themselves like an Absalom, right? Or you can, you know, they'll well, this one's got a clean background. He doesn't have a lot of Sin in his life, and this one goes, Oh no, God uses them because look at all the debauchery they were saved out of. I mean, right? I mean, we have this idea of what things should look like for God to use, right, to do a work through. We look at a lot of external things, don't we? Can I remind you of something tonight? God used Caleb when he was 80 and he used Josiah when he was 16 God used Ruth a different Ruth a Jew who married a uh, I'm sorry a Moabite who married a Jew and he used Esther a Jew who married a Persian Can I tell you God used the brilliant apostle Paul and he used the not so learned fisherman can I remind you that God used Timothy who came from a dysfunctional home, right? And he used Paul who came from a great lineage that many anybody would have been proud of. He used Abraham who was wealthy. He used Gideon who was poor and passive. He used Saul and Peter who were tough. He used Elijah who was bald and made fun of. He used David who was good looking and he used Solomon who had a good lineage. And he used Hezekiah who had an awful upbringing. No, God uses all sorts. Yeah. Here's the point I'm making tonight. God doesn't have a mold that you have to fit into to serve Him. I don't know about you, but I like that. I like that. You know, when you understand what the Lord has done, when you understand who He is, When you understand the family you're a part of, when you understand who your father is, you just want to do something for him. It might not be like what somebody else does, but you still want to do something. And if we're not careful, we can get the idea that, well, there's not much for me to do because I'm not fill in the blank. I'm not this. You don't have to fill a certain mold. You know what the Bible says in Psalm 34, 18? The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. And he saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Yeah. Second Chronicles 16:9, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro upon the whole earth. Uh, to, 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 uh, uh, searching how say? for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them that love him, right? Whose heart is perfect toward him. I just butchered it, but I think you can go back and look it up. God is looking for somebody who what? Who has a heart that is perfect toward him. What's the mold? What is the mold you have to fill? What's your heart like? See, listen, it doesn't doesn't take a a certain mold to serve God. It takes a heart that loves God to serve God. And this was the difference between Esau and Jacob. Esau didn't have a heart for God. And thankfully, eventually, Jacob did. Don't you think God knew where Esau was going to go? Yeah. Could you imagine if, if God followed, listen, if God followed the normal path of what he established of the birthright and Esau said, well, I don't want nothing to do with you. What's God going to do? Okay, hold on. Oh, where's Jacob? (laughs) All right, Jacob, you're in. No, God already knew. God already knew. Yeah. And it ended up going through Jacob. Jacob ended up having a heart for God. He ended up wrestling with God. One of the last things he does before he goes into Egypt for the rest of his life, he builds an altar and he comes before God. And says, should I do this? Boy, that's a different Jacob. Should I go into Egypt? Is this good? I'm going to see my son and I'm so excited. But is this of you? God says, yeah, it is. Okay. Boy, that was different. Can I tell you tonight, we're going to be done here real quickly. Can I tell you tonight, there's a lot to get done here in Nixon, Missouri. There's a lot to do. There's a lot to do. There's houses to reach. Hey, have you ever have you been? I mean, Nixa, Ozark, the whole area. Have you been over at Ozark lately? Yeah. Have you driven up sixty-five and looked off? If you're going north, you look off to the west. seen those apartments? Looks like a part of Chicago dropped in on uh, dropped in on Ozark, Missouri. Massive apartments. You've seen them have it's, it, it's it's almost daunting how. My friend lives in that house there. Poor guy. <laughs> the big Victorian there. I'm, I'm just like, I feel bad for him. It's unbelievable. But you know what? There's a lot of work to do over there. That is going to be filled. I don't know what, the, few thousand, I, I, forgot, I forgot the number of apartments that are going to be there. Yeah. They're expecting 1,200 cars a day will be added to that outer road. Just because of those apartments. What am I saying? There's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of people to reach. And I can say this emphatically, emphatically, without any reserve whatsoever. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. Well, with this, yeah, with that. Well, I can't say this, I know, you can't, God knows, you can't say that. But listen, he's looking for somebody who has a heart to serve him. He's looking for somebody who, has, who, who loves him and who wants to serve him. He's looking for somebody who loves those that he loves. Yeah. And thankfully, if that's you, if that's your heart, none of the other little things matter. <laughs> right? Yeah, because he can take care of those. So I guess the big takeaway question tonight, here we are at the beginning of a new year. We have a lot of work to do ahead of us. We have 10,000 tracks to get out on top of, we've got door hangers and all sorts of things. If it ever, ever gets warm around here again, that'd be nice. Do you have a heart? Do you have a heart that wants to serve God? If that's you, God will use you. God will use you. Yeah. He won't use you sitting at home, just staying there. <laughs> right. No, he can Don't get me wrong. Some people can't get out of the house. I get that. I do. There are those. But you know what's cool now? People get on computers, and it's amazing what they do through a computer. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, you can be one that, like a friend of mine that has had his entire voice box removed can't talk. He'll never talk the rest of his life. But in today's world, he can get on a computer. Yeah. Facebook ministry. <laughs> oh, never mind. Yeah. Do you have a heart for God? Do you want to be used by God? Yeah. If that's you, that's the only... Requirement that's the only criteria being used by God. Not fit in a certain mold, not being born in a certain place or a certain time, not coming from a certain family, right, but having a heart for God. He'll use you. If you could be honest with the Lord tonight and say, you know, my heart isn't there right now, it's not. He can change that too. If you'd ask him, well, how do you know that? because I've asked him many times, and he always does he always your heart gets away from the Lord, well yes, and yours doesn't we we praise the Lord when it goes year maybe longer periods of time, and it doesn't happen, but listen, even the more you grow in, in the Lord and the closer you get to him, you become more and more sensitive of the little things right before it would take maybe. It's something huge to realize, oh, my, my heart's away from God. But boy, the years go on to get closer to the Lord, and it's just little back signs. You go, ooh, I'm getting away, and we deal with them quickly. Oh, yeah, we do. We get away. We do. Do you have a heart for the Lord tonight? Let God use you, would you? We've got a lot to do this year. We've got a lot to accomplish. And uh, there's a lot of people in Nixon, Missouri, that are moving in from out of state, from out of country. And they are dying and going to hell. We don't say that enough. It's too shocking sometimes, but it's true. They are dying and going and on their way to hell. I got a text just this morning from a friend of mine who said, Did you know so-and-so had a heart attack and died yesterday? 48 years old. I have no idea if he was saved. They need to be reached. They need to be reached, Father. I am so thankful tonight that I don't have to be a genius. I don't have to have a good heritage. I don't have to have, uh, Lord, all, just all of the things that we, uh, you know, fill in the blank that which we what we think that you're looking for for somebody to really be used by you. I'm thankful I don't have to have any of that. Nobody does. But Lord, we do have to have a heart for you. And Father, I'm thankful that you've put the onus of the gospel upon us, that it's our responsibility to to reach the world. And I know this, when we're walking in the Spirit, we want to reach the world. We have your heart. We have your desire. And so, Father, would you encourage us tonight with the fact, if anybody here or anybody's been watching online tonight and They've been feeling a little bit inadequate. I'm too socially awkward. I'm too this. I'm too that. We Ask your Holy Spirit to, con- to encourage them tonight. That if they have a heart for you, you'll use them. You'll use them. And what we have found out, Lord, about you is that when you get involved, when you get involved, it's abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. It's greater than we can imagine because it's you who takes the small things of the world and confounds the mighty. And we thank you for that. So Lord, encourage us tonight and help us to be busy about what you'd have us to do this year. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand tonight? The invitation's open. I don't know how the Lord's spoken to you tonight.